turn your love of babies and bellies into cash. If you love babies and bellies and want to provide care and support to families, then Bebo Mia's webinar is the right place for you. Get answers to those burning questions like how to be the voice you wish you had at your birth and how babies and families can be supported by doulas. Learn all about the different kinds of doulas. You can work in fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, or just enjoy working with those squishy babies. Supporting families by becoming a birth worker, aka doula, is perhaps an option that hasn't even crossed your mind. And that's why we want you to join this webinar. You can have great earning potential while doing something you love. Bebo Mia is the one-stop shop for education, community, and mentorship. Reserve your spot today at bebomia.com slash free webinar. You are tuned into the VBAC Link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Hello, hello, you guys. It is the end of the year. This is Megan with the VBAC link, and I have another holiday edition for you. And today is one that I'm so excited for because this is someone that I know personally. She's a dear friend of mine, and we have kind of taken similar journeys through our doula careers. And so it's really fun to kind of be with someone that I already know and that we have the same mindset and goals for all of you out there. This is Stephanie and she is amazing. So amazing. She is a mom, a doula. She's had me back and she actually has an amazing course through My Essential Birth. That's correct, right? My Essential Birth? Yep. Yes. And um, has a, a course on how to prepare and get ready for birth. And she has the same drive, I feel like, and passion as I do is just to get the information out to all of you and to help you know what is best for you, like for to help you know what's best for you, whether it be, again, scheduling a repeat cesarean or having a VBAC, or maybe you're a first time mom and you just want to learn how to go along the way. This is seriously, Stephanie is going to be that person for you. And so I'm so excited today to have her on. So welcome, Steph. Thank you. That's quite an introduction. I love it. Come to well, my podcast, do the same thing. No, <laughs> no, seriously. I was going to say I, she has like an, like a full on like introduction here too, but like you are amazing. You are so amazing. And I love what you have done with my essential birth and you know, you're busy. You're, you've got three <laughs> kids. You've got three kids. And something too that is really fun is you've had like every single birth has been so different, um, which I think just broadens your knowledge and your passion even more to doing what you do. Because I feel like, like for me, like my birth, they were all so different. And I don't know, like, I really don't know if I would be here today if I didn't have all those births, you know, oh, 100%. Like, don't yeah. you feel like these, these these experiences in our lives have brought us here today and and has has brought the, the passion to our hearts? So, but yeah, and on top of that, like you homeschool and 
uh, like you do so many things you wear so many hats so i'm so grateful for you taking the time today to talk to us about all the amazing things that you do but i think one of the really cool things right off the bat is let's talk about like your vbacks and how your how you really got started in all of this yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head because 100% if I hadn't had the experiences with the births that I have had, I wouldn't have not only the passion, but the knowledge um, mm -hmm. from seeing things go wrong. I mean, it makes me think of like when I was 16 and I got my first car and it was a piece of crap, you know, and the, everything broke down on it. And so you had to learn about, I had to learn about things that I didn't have about a car, right? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm not comparing my body to a car, but I will say that those experiences totally shaped the way that I do what I do today and the passion behind it. So that first, my first baby, now, mind you, I, in my head, this was my goal. I wanted to go unmedicated. That's just, mm -hmm. it was what I wanted to do. I just wanted to have that experience for myself right. for no particular reason. That's just what I wanted to do. Right. And we got around, I think I was like 34, 35 weeks and I was reading a birth story online. Mind you, this is like 13, 14 years ago. So it was a, a little bit ago, not like what we mm -hmm. see today with birth stories and stuff, but I'm like at work and just like bawling, right? Cause I'm super pregnant. And I'm like, that's what I want my birth to be like. And so I researched the classes that kind of went along with this book and I reached out to some local birth educators and it was like this 12 week series. And I had like four or five weeks left to go. And there was one lady that was like, okay, I'll do these like intensive courses on the weekends if you can make it. And I'm over here, like my husband works every weekend. We're super yeah. broke. She was <laughs> going to do it for this like, you know, bigger price. I'm like, it's fine. Like I'll wing it. It's going to be fine. You know, fast forward to that birth and missing some red flags. Things like my provider telling me when, first of all, he didn't want to have the conversation until 36 weeks about mm. what the birth was going to be like. So I told him mm. early on, I don't want to have an epidural. I want to go on Medicaid. And he's like, well, we don't, we don't talk about that until 36 weeks. That was a red flag, but I didn't know any better. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I was like, okay, like, sure. That's what they good. do. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And he was super old school. He was older. Like there were a couple of things that just the way that he talked to me, I should have caught on. But when mm -hmm. 36 weeks came and I said, I, you know, I really want to go unmedicated and whatever. And he goes, he was talking about, well, I actually let my patients get their epidurals much earlier than others. Like why be in pain? And I'm like, no, it's really important to me. And then he continued with, well, women with size five and a half shoe and smaller tend mm. to have cesarean births. Now, mind you, uh, I'm, I'm a small person. I'm five feet. My, my shoe size is five and a half, but I'm sitting there like, just you've got to be freaking kidding me right yeah. because my grandmother who was 410 and her like I'm just going down the line like nobody would be here what are we talking about but at the same time I'm a new mom it's my first birth I'm scared mm -hmm. so I stayed with him and the, anyways the cascade of intervention that happened was my water broke with just a trickle I didn't have contractions the provider ended up telling me once I was at the hospital that I needed to have Pajosin. And I say that because I remember asking the nurse, did he say the word need? And she's like, I'll come back. But she's like, he said need. And mm -hmm. so I said, okay, well, then I must need Pitocin. Mm -hmm. So we took Pitocin. That baby did not do well with it. They couldn't crank up the Pitocin enough to make the contraction strong enough to actually make labor progress because my mm -hmm. baby's heart rate would drop. So that was, in my opinion, a medically caused cesarean because yes, mm -hmm. then I have a baby in distress and, and there we are. So that was my first experience with birth. 
and I didn't connect with my baby right away on top of being a new mom and trying to figure out life. I had just had abdominal surgery. I, it was, I was a mess of emotions. And then the next two births is where I found some redemption and healing and passion and power for women's mm-hmm. bodies and what we can do. So my second birth, we had moved overseas to Germany and I was meeting with a doctor. So I met with an OB, but it was actually midwives who you give birth mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. I had taken a really good birth course and I had been practicing a lot of stuff. I did not understand a ton about positioning though for mm-hmm. my baby. And so I had prodromal labor, uh, like two days of prodromal labor, which not that big of a deal. Two days of prodromal labor. Then, then I finally, things kicked in and I, I was in full active labor, but then I had pushing contractions at four centimeters. Mm. So now my doula brain goes, oh, it's a positional thing. I have all these ideas, right? But but then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to make it, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> and then too, the, the wonderful German nurse there, there was a little bit of like language barrier for sure. But I was like, I really want to get into the water. And she was like, oh, later. And also I have something, honey, that'll take all of that away. You just let me know if you want a little bit of, you know, we'll just stick it in the bum kind of thing, uh-huh. a little bit of pain med. And at the time I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's try that because I'm trying to avoid the epidural. Right. So I had the pain meds that ended up being like, I, I was comfortable for maybe two contractions before my water broke. Like it took the mm-hmm. edge off enough that my body was like, you know, let's yeah. get things started. But then the contractions were right back on. Yeah. So I did end up with an epidural for that birth. My baby did fine with the Pitocin. I pushed that baby out vaginally. Uh, I wasn't forced into another cesarean or anything. And that birth was amazing. Like I was very, very pleased with the way that that birth went. And then we were moving from Germany back to the United States, uh, particularly to North Dakota. And if you know anything about North Dakota, (laughs) uh, they don't even have, like my midwife was practicing under, like she was not a licensed midwife on purpose. Like you cannot be a licensed midwife and deliver Mm -hmm. babies outside of the hospital setting. They can get arrested. So um, it's not black market, but it was, she's not licensed. She was uh, a direct entry midwife. Right. So we were moving back from overseas to to North Dakota and I called the hospital first before I, I met with a home birth midwife. And they told me, well, we don't really care that you've had a vaginal birth after cesarean. You had a cesarean before, so mm. you need to plan for another scheduled cesarean birth. And so talk mm. about my red flags now. Yeah, you know, I you're know like, no, no, nope. no way. Yes. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do whatever I have to do. Yes. Um, so I did, I reached out to home birth midwife. I found a doula, you know, all of those things that I probably should have done with baby one. And we planned for, for me to have an unmedicated experience at home. And I was really excited about that up until about 35, 36 weeks. Like I had a breech baby for one and that breech baby, we were able to get him turned. So that part went away, but then it was the mental game of, can I actually do this? You've never not had an epidural, you know, all that like self-talk that starts happening. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. And my doula was like, here's a list of affirmations. Take what you like, leave the rest and start saying them out loud several times a day, every day. And so I did that. And within a week or so, I was like, oh my gosh, I went from being scared and nervous to confident and excited. Yes. And I was like, I can do this. So that baby had a week of prodromal labor. It was about five days, five or six days of prodromal labor. Gosh. And then things get moving and I have some active labor that hits, but my contractions never really got closer than about six minutes apart. So they would last like a minute to two minutes long, wow. but they were never those like super, you know, crazy close, consistent. Close. 
things that going off in my head. I'm like, if I was in a hospital, I definitely would have been offered a cesarean birth. Like it, it wouldn't have been a question. Yeah. Especially that hospital. But so these, you know, these contractions are coming. I, my midwife, like we finally call her and I'm like, look, like I've been in prodromal labor and now they've active labor, yeah. but they're not closer than six minutes. She texts me and I'm six centimeters. And I was oh like, oh, I'm like, yes, on my own. It was so cool. And then it was like another 12 hours from that point, And I had my baby, but I, it was, it was incredible, you know, that those contractions mm-hmm. and, um, and just knowing that my body was doing what it was meant to do. And yeah. then there was a point where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I need to sleep. And for sure. We like went upstairs. I slept for 45 minutes. I had two contractions. It was another moment where I was like, yeah, if I was at the hospital, somebody, oh, she's stalling. We've got to do something, you know, whatever. But uh, those two contractions in the second one, I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, like what is happening? I can't do this anymore. Uh, And sure enough, I'm like thinking this better be transition. So my midwife comes in, she hears me. She was sleeping downstairs, comes to the door. She's like, let me do a quick check. Um, or do you want me to check you? Um, and I'm like, yes, please, you know, let's see where I'm at. And uh-huh. she's like, you're nine and a half with a bouncy lithocervix. You're good to go. Like, let's mm-hmm. get you go to the bathroom. You can go get in the birth tub now. Yes. And so we did that. And funny, you know, I can laugh about it now, but I went downstairs. I went to the bathroom. And after I was done peeing, I had my first pushing contraction. And I remember telling my husband, like, I don't want to give birth on the toilet. Like, I have to get out of here, you know, <laughs> and I'm like four and a half hours later because of <laughs> the mental blocks that I had, you know, <laughs> but we can, we can laugh about that now. But at the time it was like very serious. Like I better yeah. get to the birth tub. I better get um, out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but it was incredible. I will tell you the difference, like major difference for me in my spaces that I was in for being able to give birth unmedicated and as a VBAC, my birth team made the biggest difference. And so when I was at home and feeling like, oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Like I've been pushing so long. I'm so tired. It was like, yeah. everyone was like, but you are doing it. You're doing great. Keep it up. And I'm like, oh, I can like, yes. I can take that in and chill yes. and feel supported. So I did. And, you know, we kind of joke about, well, first of all, I was making noises that my husband the next day told me, I, he's like, you sound like the screaming goats. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I do. You know, I was um, called a cow. <laughs> my husband's like, you're a million cow in there. I'm like, thank you so much. Okay. Well, the best part of this story, I actually love this story. The next day, my husband is sitting at the table and showing our little boys and his dad, the Mm -hmm. uh, screaming goat video. His mom's walking down the stairs and she goes, you recorded her. Uh -uh. (laughs) So I'm like, okay. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I really didn't sound like that. That Um, was so funny. Yes. But anyways, I'm pushing all this time. And I do remember I hit a point, like even during pushing, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this baby, I can't do this. I was scared. I'd never pushed a baby out before instead of like holding my breath and bearing down. I was purposely breathing through my nose and like not Mm. leaning into that pushing. Um, and so my husband was finally like, um, or I told him, I'm like, you need to go make the bed. Like I need to get out of the tub. Cause in my head, all I'm thinking about is if I can't do this and I have to go to the hospital, we have to call an ambulance. The lights are going to be on. There's going to be people. I don't know. I'm going to go to a, like I had to walk. We were really deep in that space. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, no, this has to happen here because I can't deal with all of that. And so I told mm-hmm. my husband, go upstairs, make the bed. And yeah. so that was like, make sure you get the the lining down so we don't mess up the mattress and all that. Yeah. You know? 
And when he went upstairs, it was the first time that I kind of like paused and tuned into myself. Mm -hmm. And I just said a quick prayer. And I was, and for me, I I call God Heavenly Father and like, Heavenly Father, please, I can't do this alone. Like I'm scared. And so my husband comes down the stairs. I'm just finishing that prayer. He is like ready to lift me out of the water. Mm -hmm. He's like, come on, let's go. Let's go now. And he like went to lift me and I'm like, no, it's happening. And two pushes later, that baby was out. Oh, that just gave me major chills. It was the most spiritual experience of my life. I love everything about it. Yes, it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done, like physically, mentally, how it pushes you to your limits. And then you just feel like you are the strongest woman alive. You can do anything. You're a good mother. You're all the things. And it was that feeling and looking at what I had done and through having good support that I was like, no, we're lying to women. And you know what? If I can do this, anybody can. And so now mm-hmm. I'm going to become a birth educator. And now I'm, I'm going to work with women one-on-one. Like, I know that you can do this. Yes. And so that's where that passion came from. That was, those were my I birth stories. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that just gave me such chills. Like, hearing that. And you know, what's interesting is, I don't think I've ever even heard all of your birth stories like, like that. Oh, really? I don't think I had. And we have very, we have some similarities. I know. Yeah, some I've similarities read some of like, yours too. I love even it. Even yeah. more. I don't think I realized. Yeah, maybe I had it a long time ago and I forgot. But I'm like, we have a lot of very similarities. So, <laughs> a lot of similar things. So I love it. So you you've had these VBACs, you found this passion, and here you are today. So in past episodes, we've talked about like mentally preparing and mentally getting into that space, which I mean you just did that. Like you just talked about that, right? Like it's so important. It's, it, it is so crucial to, to be in that space because when we're out here, we can't dive into birth. And I feel like I did the same thing. I mean, I wish that I kind of wish that it was recorded so I could like really show people how big of a tantrum I was throwing, but I was <laughs> legitimately throwing a tantrum in my driveway, pacing back and forth saying like, if my water just wouldn't have broken, I would, this would be totally different. And this is happening all over again. And I was spiral. I mean, I was really spiraling mm. and everyone just sat there. I mean, my neighbor was like seeing me. She's like, Oh, like you're, you know, I'm like, I'm in labor. And then she like stopped and was like, <laughs> is she okay? Like Rick's like, she's, she's just going through something right now. And so like, I had like her watching me, like my mom was watching me. The kids are like, mom. And I was like, <sighs> like throwing my hands and just sit like voicing everything that was in my head out loud, like just getting it out there. And, but I needed to do that. I needed to yeah. do that. But as soon as I like could get that out, I remember the drive from, so we were getting in the, in the car to go to the birth center and meet my midwife the morning. The, I mean, I had my baby later that night, but it was the morning that I had my baby and he was just like, so had that fill. <laughs> and I was like, so good. And I just remember like, laboring coming on so much stronger and you know Mm. it's just you know you have to get in that headspace so we know there's the headspace but what about the physical so i feel like there's so much goodness that you talk about if the physical aspect of preparing for birth and not even just like preparing to actually give birth but preparing and creating that team and creating that environment so one of like the first thing is like knowing your stuff so like, how, how can our listeners know their stuff? I mean, right now I feel like they're listening to this. And so they're starting to know, like, this yeah. is what you can do is know your stuff. But yeah, when you say know your stuff, like what all would that entail? What would you suggest? 
Yeah. And this is kind of the tricky thing that I feel like I'm always like weighing one against the other, where it's like Mm -hmm. knowing what you want for your, for your birth and what, and how to get there. And then making sure that you're vetting your provider. Like they really do go hand in hand, but it's kind of tricky because if you just, depending on which order you take it, you may have to change up one or the other. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to understanding what you need in order to have the birth that you desire, you know, one of the things I tell moms to do is like take a meditative moment, close your eyes and some deep breaths, and then picture yourself from that very first contraction through to when you give birth. What does that look like? Where are you? Who's around you? Mm-hmm. What are the lights like? What do you smell? What do you see? And that will help you decide. I think it gives you some idea of, of how to get there or what you're going to need in order to get there. You know, I'll right. do this exercise with moms and it's like moms that were planning to give birth at a hospital never make it there in their mind they're at home Mm -hmm. and you know, they just, they don't ever get into the car to go to the hospital. They've had their baby at home. And so I think, you know, understanding like really what you're looking for. And even for a mom that, that has that experience, she's planning to give birth at a hospital, but she, you know, it's this really calm, relaxing thing at home. It doesn't necessarily mean she needs to be giving birth at home, although it could, you know, maybe it's more Mm -hmm. of, so I need to have control over my body, control over the situation. I need to be in my own clothes, Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. So, mm-hmm. oh, I so love I that think, you just said that. Yeah, <laughs> understanding like really what what is creating that image in your mind. But of course, I'm going to talk about taking a, a good birth course because not only is that what I did that was so life changing for me, but that's what I help moms to do today. Just like you have a birth course that you talk about preparing for VBAC, and a good birth course is going to include all of those things like how to stay healthy and low risk with nutrition good exercise that you can do, not just making sure you're moving your body and keeping your heart rate up, but what are things positionally that you can do for yourself Mm -hmm. and your baby? Um, How are you going to stretch like the perineal area or use specific muscles that are going to be used for for birthing and labor time? You know, and that's going to be all the way through understanding Mm -hmm. each phase of labor, how to work with your birth partner, how they can support you, how relaxation, how that can be so important and meditation all the way through to, to birth and postpartum. And, you know, that includes every every situation that can happen on the way. Like you walk into your birth space and are you going to have an IV or wear your own clothes? You know, mm-hmm. do you want to have intermittent fetal monitoring or do you want to be on the monitor the whole time? If you're talking induction, right. what are your options? So I think really understanding what your options are and some of that changes as your birth changes or as other options are provided, you know, whether Mm -hmm. or not you have gestational diabetes or if you're GBS positive, like those are different decisions Mm -hmm. you have to play with and make. Um, But if you, if you like listening through podcasts, like taking a good birth course, you know, watching birth videos, if you're gathering all that information and kind of coming together for yourself, deciding what you want for you then you can move into asking the right questions to help vet that provider because that really is the next step. You can have this wonderful birth that you have thought up and dreamed up in your mind. And if your provider is not on the same page, if they are not supportive, you might not get it at all. And it's not even your fault. Yeah, (laughs) I know. So that is so hard because, you know, sometimes we don't know what it looks like to have that supportive provider. We don't know what it looks like Cause like for me with my first birth, I went into my OB and he was really nice and welcoming and charming. And I was like, cool. He's, he's rad. Like he's great. Right. And then, then there were the red flags, but I didn't see those red flags. And so it's so hard to know, like how to find that provider. And you say vet your provider, like, what do you mean by vet your provider and what tips would you give to 
start that process and know right away like what you really want to look for. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. I think probably one of the best things you can do is meet with more than one and different practices. Yes, <laughs> yes different practices. That is different such a big practices. thing because even yeah. one provider in the same practice, they're going to have similarities. And so it is so important to branch out. Like when I was doing that with my VBAC baby, like I did, I went to multiple people and I, there was, I could physically feel the difference yep. without even speaking to anybody. Yes, 100%. So like I always said, I didn't believe I was intuitive at all. Just as a person, like I feel like mm -hmm. I'm not in touch with myself. If that's you, you're wrong. And just like you explained right there, we do, you know, when you have conversations with other people or you yeah. walk into a room, you have a, there's a feeling there and how you're treated matters. And the problem is I think, and I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I think we put providers on this pedestal and they're kind of untouchable and they're above us in some way because they've gone to school and they've got knowledge about things that we don't in right. some ways maybe that's true they have they, that's why we hire them because they have skill sets that we need mm -hmm. that we can't meet while we're in our vulnerable space the other side of that is they're also a person and how they treat us matters and so when you are asking questions and meeting with providers how are you feeling you know are were you respected where you rushed, when you bring up something mm -hmm. like providers will actually eye roll or laugh at some of the things that you say. That's a red flag. It's you know? So true. Yes. Yeah. I say too, like it's, you know what? Go meet with a birth center out of hospital provider. You don't have to plan on giving birth there at all. Pay attention to how you're treated. You know, how does that feel for you? And mm -hmm. for people that are maybe interested in that and they're like, oh, it's so scary. And, you know, my husband doesn't want to, or my birth partner, partner really doesn't want me out of the hospital. Great. Go take an, and have a free interview with an out-of-hospital care provider and just see how you feel. If you hate it or it's not for you, then that's great. But I mm -hmm. think it, it, that you need to have the contrast. I think you deserve to have the contrast. It's the same with doulas. I'm like, you don't know if you want to do it. Great. Go meet with one anyway. It's mm -hmm. a free consult and then right. you can decide. But the vetting provider, like I said, you have to have some questions that you're going in, like VBAC specific moms, they're going to want to know things like, okay, for a mom like me, I'm healthy and low risk and it's my second baby and I've only had one vaginal birth or, mm -hmm. or one cesarean birth. What does it look like for someone like me in your practice having a vaginal birth after cesarean? What are your percentage rates? You know, yes. do you use the VBAC calculator or how oh. do you decide? Like, do you induce, what are your reasons for induction? And um, should you choose, like, can I say no, which you always can, but it's yes. always fun to ask the provider, can I say can no, which I his answer no. should always be yes, but it might yes. not be. Well, we'll talk about it when we get there, you know. So there's, you have to have some like specific questions that you're bringing in to decide if this is somebody that, that you can handle. And there's, mm -hmm. you're probably not maybe going to match up on every single thing and that's okay too, but are those big things being met? And I think yeah. that's where it, that's, that's what helps you decide, like, is this going to be a good match for me or not? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And just tuning into like your overall feeling, like you said, like providers can eye roll and they can be subtle. They can be subtle, mm. really subtle. Yeah. Right. And, and it doesn't mean and like even midwives can, can do that too. Oh, like, totally. You know, yes. um, OBs, midwives, like it's so important to really tune into that. So I think it's so important to do that even before becoming pregnant too, sometimes to find an OB, like if you're thinking that you want to become pregnant soon and you have an OB or a midwife 
start there. That's totally fine. But it's okay <laughs> to like branch out and say like, I'm not expecting yet. I'm preparing. I want to find that provider right from the beginning. Um, and sometimes that doesn't happen, but I think it's, it's good to do if you can. I mean, I wasn't pregnant and I went to 12 providers, 12 providers that, which was maybe excessive, right? Like maybe, but like I needed, that's what I needed. I needed to go and, and I needed to hear all of their things and feel all of that in those environments. And I chose the provider that I thought was totally amazing. He still is. Don't, not saying he's not. <laughs> For me, I thought he was like perfect. Like he was exactly what I needed, you know, out of everybody. And then I still changed at 24 weeks, yeah. right? <laughs> and so, you know, a lot of people are like, why, why would you change? Like he's so supportive. I'm like, he is so supportive and I feel all the goods, but something's not resonating. And so that's okay too. Like, even if you, you do find your provider, say you're pregnant, you have your provider and you're not, not feeling it. Or you're getting things like Stephanie, where it's like, hey, this is what I want to do. We don't talk about that yet. You know, mm. like that, you know, those types of things, like if they're not willing to hear you and they don't want to know how they can help you in this birth experience, those are red flags. And don't feel like you have to stay like both Stephanie and I did, because I felt like I had to stay too. I felt like I was cheating on my provider if I left him. Totally. You know, like he had gone this far with me. He had supported me this far. But at the same time, like, I truly believe I didn't. I probably wouldn't have had that second cesarean. I really don't believe that Mm -hmm. if I would have changed. But it's okay because that it's, it's my, it's my birth story. And that's why I'm here. But yeah, like, it's okay. It's okay if you're feeling off and you want to change. It's okay to do that. Yeah. I I think like you can't shout that from the rooftops enough (laughs) because it's true. You do feel like, oh, I'm going to hurt their feelings or something. No, you're not. And if you do, who cares? Like you're never going to see him again. Let it go. (laughs) Exactly. Like it's so important for you and your future. And like, it's such an important moment for you. It it doesn't matter. Like it should trump Mm -hmm. that, you know, it should trump that someone else's feelings. And that's like the hardest thing, you know, like we have so many people out there. If you're a people people pleaser, like you're not alone and it's easy to please your provider. You want to please your provider, but remember they're working for you. They are there for you. And if they're not pleasing you, it's okay to leave. It is okay to leave. And so, yeah, it's a hard thing to do, but I do encourage people to follow, tune in, follow their hearts, tune into that and, and do what's best for them. Because if they don't truly vet their provider, it can make or break an experience. Yeah, it can. And that, and, and so a good provider is going to help make it, just like you said. And that's mm-hmm. like like my midwife and my doula that were in that third birth. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, they are a part of my life forever. You know, whether mm-hmm. they like it or not, like they, right. it, it just, you are bonded with those people forever and you need yep. that kind of support in your life. Yes, yes. Okay, so we're talking, we're talking about like knowing your stuff, vetting your provider, now let's talk about like putting in the work. Like we've got these, these things now, like going for it. So what, yeah. what things would you suggest? So yes, as far as putting in the work, I really recommend, and I have it on my website as well. And like I said, you can tell me if you like these ideas or not. Yeah. Um, but I recommend these three exercises that you can do every day. Um, first is the forward leaning inversion. So you're literally like, you get up on a low lying like chair or couch, probably with support, put a pillow down in front of you and get your elbows on the ground. 
um, with mm-hmm. your bum in the air and you hold that for three breaths. You do that once a day. So if you're somebody that has heartburn or something, obviously you're going to want to maybe not do that depending on how bad the heartburn and stuff mm-hmm. is. Um, or there's a couple of people that shouldn't do that. But basically that is really good because it releases certain ligaments. It allows more room for baby. It allows for really good positioning. So that's like something that you do to make sure baby's in a good every position day. every day, easier, more comfortable labor. The other thing that you're going to do is pelvic tilt. And you can choose to do how many you want, but I like to do them, you know, at least when I get up in the morning and before you go to bed and that's 20 to 40 tilts and that's hands and knees position. And you're just tilting your pelvis forward and into a flat back forward and into a flat back. And again, that's strengthening certain areas. It's also helping for baby's position. Those are really, really good for you to be doing. The third one is a squat. And this is a deep seated squat. It's not like we're going to, you know, grab weights and do like a weighted squat or anything like that. This is like how you see people in third world countries sitting that don't have chairs or like new babies, toddlers, like when they go to squat down to play with something, look at that squat Mm -hmm. because that's the Mm -hmm. one that you're going for. And the reason for that is because it stretches the perineal area. It strengthens the muscles in your legs. Like chances are when it is pushing time, you're going to be in some kind of squat. Now, maybe not, but chances are the majority of us are going to end up there. The other thing about squatting is because it shortens the birth canal, it makes it easier to be able to push baby out. And that's why we end up in that position. But if you're practicing that squat specifically, and this is where my husband was so good because he's like, I'll tell you what, for every minute that you squat for the day, I will give you a minute of massage at the end of the night. Oh my gosh. That's all you have to say. Done, done, done. (laughs) An hour a night. I am not joking. So he was so good supporting me that way. But I'll tell you what. You know, when I started squatting, and it was probably later in my pregnancy, like 34, 35 weeks, when I started squatting, Mm -hmm. it was like one to two, maybe three minutes before my legs were numb, my feet hurt, I had to stand up, everything tingling. But a couple weeks in, and it was, I could hold it for 15 minutes comfortably. And so when I was telling you before, like I was pushing for four and a half hours, well, I was in a birth tub in a squatted position for that amount of time. And I remember thinking, I am so glad I practiced these squats because I wouldn't have had the stamina. Yeah. So yeah. As far as physical prep, those are things that you can do every single day. But you you also heard me talk about (laughs) thank you. I know. And I'm like you and I, we've taken some similar trainings and Mm -hmm. stuff. Like it's valid. It's real. Uh, it really is. the The other things that you can do are like let's stay healthy and low risk. So that means we're eating a high protein diet, you're drinking a lot of water, you're taking your prenatals well balanced. That matters because it can keep things like preeclampsia at bay. It's also going to make you feel better and give you more energy. So there's a lot of benefits to that. But yes. my favorite part of staying healthy and low risk is you remain in charge of your birth decisions. That's why it matters to me so much. It is not even just for the health of myself and my baby. It also comes down to, I want to have a say as to how all of this goes. So those are so, some of the physical things. Then we move into the like, once I understand how birth works, like, what are the signs that I'm in labor? What are the signs I'm in active labor? How do I work with my body? Mm -hmm. Uh, Learning things like relaxation. And I do that through like relaxation practice. And I mean, even just a simple one, and you can do this with your birth partner or by yourself, but you set up the stage. So use your senses. Um, You should be like leaned back in a chair or in your bed, lights dim with like an essential oil or like a consistent smell that your body gets used to smelling. And you just practice breathing deep into your belly, making like, Mm. imagine how you breathe when you wake up in the morning, like first thing, pay attention to how you breathe when your eyes first open. It's really deep belly breaths. So try to aim for that. 
and do that for like 10 minutes. Just go from your head to your toe and like, okay, I'm going to feel the hairs on my head relax and then my eyebrows and then my jaw and then, you know, all the way down. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, it's not easy to do when you're not used to relaxing. Yeah. But when you utilize all of those senses, then it becomes something called muscle memory. So if I know, my body knows because I've been doing this for the last several months, that every time the lights are dim and I smell lavender essential oil and I'm breathing into my belly, you know, then then when you do those things during labor and it's like, oh, lights are dim and lavender, then you don't even have to really think about it. Your your brain is remembering, oh, yes, I'm supposed to relax now. So and then obviously you need to practice relaxation. Once you get good at that, you should practice it with the lights on, with the TV on, with your husband or kids walking through the room, because mm-hmm. that's the reality of birth. And especially if you're in a hospital. Yes. Yes. But but learning relaxation is really important. And then you move into the like, you know, there's a lot more to do with that, like meditation and the mental stuff and all of that mm-hmm. labor rehearsals where you practice with ice and other things like there's plenty that you can do. But I would say like relaxation, your free exercises and staying healthy and low risk are probably just top of the list things that you can do on a daily basis. Oh, my gosh. I love it. So good. So good. Um, I, I love that you talked about like preparing and then it becomes muscle memory like it's so true right it's so so true so and like i encourage if you're like ever in a moment where you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed to to like dive into that because yeah there are going to be moments in labor and birth where you might feel stressed and overwhelmed and if you can practice doing that in those moments oh my gosh it's going to be so beneficial so I know we're almost out of time, but I wanted to ask you, what is a secret lesson or something that no one really talks about that you wish that you would have known ahead of time when preparing for birth? Yeah, that would be that you can say no to anything. So I feel like I teach this all day long and I talk about it a lot. I don't know how often moms let that register because they'll know that. And then you get with your provider and they're doing non-stress tests or, you know, whatever. And it's like all of a sudden oh crap, I need this and this and this. No, you can actually say no to literally anything. Anything. Um, Anything. Yeah. And they can't, they can't do anything. I mean, the best that they can do, right. Is make you sign like a, what is it? Like a medical AMA. Really? AMA. Yes. Against Against medical advice. advice. Yeah. Yeah. So fine. Sign it. It's your body. You get to choose. Yeah. And then kind of like I talked about, you know, when I talk about health and nutrition, I think a lot of times moms don't register with like, okay, yeah, I get it. I'm supposed to be healthy, but it's like, yes, but so you can be low risk and in charge of your birth too. Like, I think that's a really important part of that. Yes. Oh, I think so too. And it, it's so hard. It's so hard to be in that moment and be like, oh, okay. You know, like (laughs) you have that you, it's you, when you're like, I really wanted to say no. You know, I, I had a prenatal last night with a client and they were like, one of the biggest things that we don't want to do is go in and just say yes to everything. Like that's one of their like biggest goals is not to just, just say yes to everything. And they're not saying we refuse, we're going to refuse everything. They're just saying we want to be educated and we want to know what we're saying yes to. And it's yeah. so important to know, like if you are saying yes, know why you're saying yes. And if not, it's okay to say no or one moment. Let me think about it. It's okay because there are times where things are going to be thrown at you and it is hard to say no or actually I want more time or I'm not sure about that right now. 
but you can, you can, you have the right to say no, you yep. have the right. So it's just, it's so important to know. I, I love that. Any last final tips for preparing for someone preparing for VBAC that you would like to give to our listeners? I think we kind of touched on this before and I, it just really matters who you pick for your provider. Yeah. Um, and I know we kind of talked about, you know, some things that weren't a red flag or time to interview somebody else or something, but really if you've got that education and you've got that provider piece, you're setting yourself up for success and it should be somebody that supports you, not mm-hmm. tolerates the, your opportunity to try for a VBAC, but somebody who believes in the natural process of birth yes. and that having a vaginal birth after cesarean is more healthy and safer for mom and baby than having another abdominal surgery. I think that matters that you've got somebody mm-hmm. that believes that way. Totally. I love that. Oh, well, thank you so much for being here um, with us today. I want you listeners to know that she is going, she has the three free, that's what you say, right? Three, yes, three, free, three exercise. free exercises. <laughs> Man, I'm like having a hard time lately with tongue twister. <laughs> three free um, exercises. So we are going to be providing that in our email. So if you're not subscribed to our email, please check it out. Because we are going to prov- be providing so many new things and some really upcoming, um, exciting upcoming things um, with the VBAC link are going to be happening. So we're going to pr- be providing that. And then will you tell everybody where they can find you? Because everyone needs to know where you're at and follow you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, so I too have a podcast. It is called The Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy. Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy. It is a podcast. So anywhere you listen yes. to podcasts, you can type that in. Um, I'm also on Instagram at my essential birth, Facebook, TikTok, all the same. And then if you are looking for information on the birth course or anything else in regards to that's where some of the podcast show notes and all of that lives, it's myessentialbirth.com. Yes. And all of these will be listed in our show notes today. So if you want to go follow her, which I promise you, you do go click that and give her a follow because her content is amazing. Her podcast is amazing. And it's been such an honor to have you here today. Thank you, Megan. I love what you do too. And I love that we get to do this together. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. So like before we let everyone go, I, I didn't really give a full, I'm like, hey, we knew each other, but we actually like we're in the same doula course. Like we became doulas together, which yes. seems like forever ago, but it was so fun to to be there and to learn. And you had you had already had your VBACs, haven't had you? I did. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't yet. I had only had my two cesareans. And so you, I just remember you being so inspirational to me and like motivating. And I'm like, okay, like she could do it. She's here. She is doing this too. Like we have the same interests and I just connected to you so much. Same. Yeah. Well, and now look at you because VBAC link, and I, I mean, you just took off. So I love it. <laughs> oh, I love being here and I love being here with all of our listeners. So again, listeners, thank you so much for being with her with, here with us today. And thanks again, Steph. Thank you. Interested in sharing your VBAC story on the podcast? Submit your story at the vbacklink.com slash share. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.